Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hi, Paris. Hey, Chris. So, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. So we force ourselves to read books we would never otherwise choose to read. Usually this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read, but once in a great while a book comes along that at least partially subverts our assumptions. And, uh... Before I announce what we read or launch into the book, we're actually we're going to do some business that we usually do at the end at the top of the show. So before we begin, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, Dee, Jared, Lynn, Sina, Jakob, and our newest patron, Torben, a.k.a. Duck King. Uh, you, you can thank is all he, of them. Is he the king of the ducks or is he the largest duck and therefore their king? I, he, think, I, I, I think don't know if he's, he's a duck or not. I think he's Torben, Duck King in the North. That's what that's okay. what I, I, I just need to know if he's a human ruling ducks or if he's a duck, you know. I mean, I think These he's are a human, important things. but who knows? Um, so yeah, you can thank all of them for making this show possible each and every month. We certainly do. Uh, we're only three ninety nine away from our next funding goal. Price of like a, you know, a, a bargain bin book. A large bag of chips, like a family sized bag yeah. of Lay's. Like, yeah. just, just like, that's all we know, need, man. That's all we just need. send us chips, actually. <laughs> yeah. Can you do that? That's fine. That's fine. So if you want to help support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash join slash terrible book club to become a patron and join the illustrious list of names that we read each and every episode. Um, at the $5 a month level or higher, you can enjoy special video segments and what is essentially Mystery Science Theater 3000 with me and Chris, where we watch movies or TV shows, uh, usually they're companions to books we've read on the podcast. Uh, also, do us a favor and download the Radio Public app and listen to us on there. That helps us passively generate income for the show, because each play gets us two cents and an extra dollar bonus if you listen to three episodes in a row. Um, if you haven't done so, it'd be cool if you could give us a review, like on iTunes or some other podcast site or app of your choice. Um, you can also just tell other people about the show on social media or tell your friends. We do like when people say hi and interact with us. So at the end of this episode, if you have something to say or just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Goodreads, or Facebook. You can also send emails to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. People Lastly, might have something to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, lastly, uh, we recently made another uh, book podcast friend, so just wanted to give them a shout out. Um, you can go ahead and give books, booze, and beards a listen. You know, I probably should have made sure that that was the correct order of those B words, because I feel like Be- it might be books, beards, and booze. But <laughs> beards, booze, and just, books. 
and books other and beards and oh, yeah and <laughs> other b words order. just look for any combination you can of those three <laughs> words i'm sure oh you know honestly i woke up sick today and chris has had kind of a, a rough I'm having a rough, rough morning. And with the content of this episode, what we're reading right here, I'm generally fed up with everything this episode. So prepare for that version of Chris on on this one. Um, But anyway, check out the Triple Bs there. Uh, They're another book review show. And they have covered some more popular books that we haven't. Like uh, they did Ready Player One. And I I enjoyed listening to that one. So uh, give them a shot when you're tired of the Charm Book Club. Um, So this time... We did something special, kind of. Yeah, we did. So uh, today, for episode 57, we read The Mueller Report, the report on the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election by Robert S. Mueller III. Um, And this is the first time we've read a report, so that's the first. Yeah, Um, I haven't read a report since college, maybe, which was a decade ago. I mean, I read stuff like this. Maybe not exactly like this. I don't read special counsel <laughs> really, reports. I'm not sitting here with the star report like at night. But um, I you know I I read kind of academic shit all the time, and so I I'm this doesn't phase me. But <laughs> I was like engrossed by it, and Chris was not. I just, look, man. I'm I'm not really like an academic reader. I don't read much nonfiction. I. <sighs> I stopped reading, like, studies, like, proper, like, going into the abstracts and, like, reading through the studies in college, definitely. I haven't written, like, a written report since then. I haven't been in a math class since, like, high school. Oh, boy. I'm a, I'm a creative type. I make music and I talk about that kind of stuff. That's what I like to do. And this, the report also, I just want to say, it's not like this is a bunch of legalese or anything that's, like, tough to parse. This is very plainly laid out. At the beginning, when I started seeing some of those like U.S. code citations, which, and really now I I it, I know the structure of how to like cite that thing at, at this point after seeing it so many hundreds of times. <laughs> yeah, in this. yeah. At first, my eyes were kind of glazing over seeing that, but then as I went in further, it's honestly just an extremely plainly laid out sequence of events of what's been going on for like the past three or four years, essentially. Yeah. Um. And before before we continue, um. For content warnings, I mean, other than our usual barnyard language, there's only one thing we're going to talk about that might be a little sensitive. But otherwise, it's you're like you're only going to get a handful of dick jokes out of us this week. So you know, <laughs> well, be pra- well, praise, let's praise see. Be to well, well, let's see first. Maybe you don't know what I got planned for this one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that we uh, that you've seen all of my notes either. So we'll see. But um, so the summary for the report for those wait, of wait, you before before you go into this, uh, I feel like this should be read as the style of like a Law and Order intro. <laughs> so I mean, best. do you want me to take this one, or do you want like who do you think is going to do a better job? Chris, we've already established that you're terrible at reading copies, so like That's, I'm okay. pretty sure I got you got tag me in on this one. <laughs> All right, but like I don't know, make it sound a little. It sounds a little, you know, Law and Order spinoff to me. Okay. Uh, well, I had practice on that uh, with the Special Witches Unit last episode. True. So, <laughs> all right. So the summary is thus: the Special Counsel investigation, also referred to as the Mueller probe or Mueller investigation, is a United States law enforcement and counterintelligence investigation of the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. This investigation includes any possible links or coordination between Donald Trump's presidential campaign and the Russian government, and any matters that arose or may arise directly from that investigation. The investigation, since it began on May 17, 2017, has been conducted by the United States Department of Justice Special Counsel's Office, headed by Robert Mueller, a Republican and former director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. 
This book chronicles the legal actions Mueller has taken against Trump's associates in the 2016 presidential elections and his reasoning behind those actions. It should be noted that 14 other cases uncovered during the investigation were referred to outside counsel since their subject matter was beyond the bounds of this investigation. How many times did I just say investigation? (laughs) Jesus. Doesn't sound like a word anymore. There's a lot of stuff. Like, you'll see the same words pop up. Like, how about... Okay, so there's, like, a table of contents at the outro. There's two volumes to this thing. And there's two separate tables of contents for them. And if you read them, it kind of reads like either a series of episodes of some kind of sitcom titles or like a track list for a really, really weird prog album. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Um, so I yeah, want to give are... an example of, of that because most notably uh, for volume two, if you go to volume two where it basically it outlines the obstruction of justice case that uh, Mueller was possibly investigating, it, yep. it here's a sample, like... Two, factual results of the obstruction investigation. A, the campaign's response to reports about Russian support for Trump. One, press reports alleged leaks between the Trump campaign and Russia. Two, the Trump campaign reacts to WikiLeaks release of hacked emails. <laughs> Three, the Trump campaign reacts to allegations that Russia was seeking to aid candidate Trump. It sounds like a Four, storyboard. Like, after like the so- election, Trump co- Yeah, but like as it goes on, it a lot of them turns into just like, Seven, the president discusses Flynn with FBI Director Comey. Nine, the president attempts to have Katie McFarlane create a witness statement denying that he directed Flynn's discussion with Kislyak. Kislyak, yeah. Kislyak, and on and on like that was just like, one, the president, blah, 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 blah. Two, the president, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, anyway. So uh, if any of y'all aren't from the U.S., or even if you are, you might not really know a whole lot about this. I mean, it's been in the news a lot, but... uh, very few people, uh, only a few idiots were going to sit here and read the whole thing, and we are two of those idiots, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people in the press and, like, people that have been reporting on it and people, like, actually interested in this stuff have read through the whole thing. I mean, if you were excited enough to read it, imagine someone that's, like, a legal scholar good diving into this. Oh, abso- this is like... absolutely, but I'm talking about most, like, your average person. Yeah. Um, so we figured, we figured we'd just do everyone a favor and... You know, read this thing that is pretty controversial, but also just like la- ha- have some laughs about it because what else can you do when this is happening, right? It's like certainly you or I sitting here, like neither of us being like super legally oriented or anything like that. It's not like I can offer any in depth analysis that you can get from some other podcast. I don't know the terrible case law club, uh, <laughs> something like yeah. that. Um. But I mean, I think, like, as you pointed out, Mueller wrote this in a way that was very easily understandable to a layperson. It's not, um, yeah, it, it's not hard to follow. It is long. There are a lot of footnotes. I love footnotes. So I was, like, super psyched so, when I saw there were over actually, a thousand. I was like, there's yeah. There's, like, some hilarious footnotes <laughs> oh, in here, Oh, dude, too. actually. <laughs> all right. So, so, okay. So, first, um, there, this whole thing. Like, I didn't know this until I read the report, but the I did whole... know this because, like, for the past couple, not to interrupt you, but, like, for the past couple years while this shit was happening, that's when I was, like, following every single story that was released to the public, like, obsessively. So I've known a lot of this stuff for a while, but this is the first time I've seen it all laid out in front of me, and boy, is it just, like, aggravating to read like that. But anyway, continue. Uh, yeah, so this whole investigation was set off by... An unnamed foreign government, so some random-ass government, we don't know who it was... 
<laughs> telling the FBI, uh, yo, this dude is bragging about working with Russia to fuck up the upcoming election. I uh, figured you should know. Uh, peace out and good luck. What? I mean, to, the other thing is that, like, everyone involved in this report, everyone that was talked to, everyone, like, all the emails and texts you've seen get pulled up, I understand it's, like, off-the-cuff messages between people, but it's still, like, super high-level official talks, and it all sounds like a bunch of con artists and scammers somehow. <laughs> Especially, well, like, we're... Joseph Mifsud's emails sometimes. Like, oh, no, like, Seder, Rick's, anyway. We, we and gotta... Seder, like, they all read like a bad eBay seller just trying to, like, hold you off for another week before you complain <laughs> to eBay. Yeah, uh, we'll have to explain who those people are because those aren't names that you might know if you're just reading, you know, articles about this. Oh, but, there's um, a whole cast. You know, before we go any further, I feel it's really necessary that we confirm for all of you out there that there is a footnote possibly confirming the piss tapes. It is in the Mueller <laughs> report. There, It's footnote number like 27 or something. Or no, it's 112. Uh, you, there, you would have to have the detail on this yeah. here. <laughs> so um, this is the closest we've ever been to 100% real piss tapes, guys. <laughs> like... So and and maybe that maybe that's a bit of a hyperbole. So the footnote could technically refer to any incriminating tape, but we're really hoping it's the P ones. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you know, if you well, don't, if you don't hoping know, is strong. Like if you don't know what the the piss tapes are, so uh, when when Trump before he was president was when he was a private citizen, he held the uh, Miss Universe pageant in Moscow, I believe. Uh-huh. In conjunction, it was like a 2013 thing, I think. In, yeah, in conjunction with the Crocus Group, who who is a player in the Mueller report later. So, um, uh, during so during the course of the pageant, he ended up staying in a hotel that President Obama stayed in, and I guess he like went to such lengths as to stay in the same room as him, and also to have a bunch of prostitutes piss on the bed that Obama slept in. This and somebody recorded legend. it. Yeah, this is a legend. This is in fact, but there was a footnote. Footnote. A, f- a footnote. <laughs> it certainly was a footnote, actually. Uh, where actually the the guy who sent the text message to Cohen, it's his name is he's Georgian, and I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me. I'm just gonna call him Businessman R because. <laughs> well, his- you should have. I would have maybe had a chance at reading it out if I had, like, the page directly in front of me because, due to my Eastern European roots. But, nah, like, dude. Nah, dude. Georgian and, like, Armenian, they have their own script. That's and, like, true. That's so, true. So when they get translated into the Latin alphabet, it's it's not quite easy. So I don't know. It's, like, R-T-S-C-H-I-L-Z. Businessman R totally fits more into the scheme of this thing where, like, so much of the shit in here is, like, super Tom Clancy as fuck. Um, so so basically businessman r texts cohen and says just so you know i stopped the flow of the tapes out of russia (laughs) oh my god and like and and how is that not redacted when there's so much other shit in here that's like well yeah we'll talk about that so some of the redactions you can just google (laughs) which is like really stupid based on the citations just like it'll be an article referring to like what the fuck is that like the redaction is from so like who is it helping, really? Yeah, like some of the, like, for example, there was an article that was referenced as a footnote, and it, it was like, it had the title of the article, and it was an article, like, I think from CNN in November of 2016 or 2018 or something, and I was like, wait, they just redacted part of the title? 
I can just look up that article. And I did. And it was about Roger Stone. And I was like. There seems to be a lot of like half-ass redacting in terms of Roger Stone. Because I feel like some of the ones, especially earlier on. Because the first volume is just all about the possible Russian election interference and connections to the Trump campaign. And there were so many redactions that I was like, you're just, that's, this is just Roger Stone interacting with WikiLeaks, right? Yeah. Like that's prob- that's yeah. really all this redaction is. Yeah. But then Roger Stone is just mentioned by name a couple other times throughout too. So I don't know, maybe it's just sloppy redacting. Oh, also, also you can tell by like the length, the physical length of the redaction, if it's probably Roger Stone, because it's like yeah, a really short one. Yeah, and his so, like name would fit in there. Yeah, they didn't do a very good job of, of differentiating them enough to not be able to piece some of it together. I mean, obviously instances where entire pages and passages are redacted, like, of course that's not able to be um, deciphered, but yeah, the fact that you could Google some of the redactions was fucking dumb. But uh, anyway, the, the piss tape thing. So <clears throat> allegedly this, there's this tape out there of like Trump with a bunch of prostitutes pissing on a bed in a Moscow hotel room. It's been talked about for many years. Um, everyone there was even always, a fake one put out there. Yep. Everyone denies that it exists and all this stuff. Um, But that footnote was in there and it's like, well, if it wasn't that tape, what was it? And then uh, businessman R (laughs) apparently told Cohen like, oh, well, he didn't tell him at the time. But when interviewed by Mueller, by the Mueller investigation, he was like, oh, no, they, they weren't real. But I didn't tell Cohen at the time that they weren't real. So, like, why did you text him and say that you stopped the flow of the tapes if there were no tapes? Well, to be like, honest, I, there's a uh, lot of instances in this report where people are just, like, straight up lying or exaggerating just to get someone off their back or something. Oh, my so God. So maybe this dude was, like, Cohen was up his ass about, like, getting, like, stopping some flow of videotapes. Yeah, maybe. And the dude was like, no, yeah, I stopped it. Don't worry about it. Like, by the way, pay me for that. Can you pay me for the videotapes that I never stopped because they don't exist, but actually I did stop them. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and also, for anyone wondering, it is not the Access Hollywood tape. Um, that's not what the footnote is referring to. It's a separate thing. Um, this was yeah, specifically this, this, about ta- uh, tapes coming from Russia. So This whole report is very exhaustive and going into exact detail of exactly what it's being talked about. And sometimes we'll like reference the same time period or even email or phrase a bunch of times as it relates to separate issues. Like, I don't know how many times I fucking read if it's what you say I love it in this report. <laughs> yeah, um, so, uh, so yeah, so I tried to keep this in relative chronological order, so first, first things first, volume one is about Russian infiltration into the election and hacking, uh, and let me tell you, unequivocally, Russia definitely infiltrated U.S. voter communities via social community, uh, social community, via social media, um, and they definitely, you know, in conjunction with, uh, uh, like, WikiLeaks. Well, they, they hacked they hacked into shit and then gave it to WikiLeaks, basically. The GRU um, hacked into the DNC's private email servers to release John Podesta's emails. People don't know what the like, GRU is, Chris. You can't just say that without telling uh, people what it is. Russian intelligence, effect, like Russian yeah, CIA. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. all, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and they... Uh, to obtain a bunch of John Podesta's emails, he's a high-ranking official in the DNC and in generally in, like, Democratic campaigns. Uh, he, they got it through some, like, spear phishing email campaigns, yep. which is when basically you send, like, a fake email posing as some other company or thing asking for someone's login information and idiots will click on it. Dude, and, it happens their... all the time. It happens yeah. all the time. That's like... I guess it happened to John Podesta. He got sent some... Like, oh, your Taco Bell account needs uh, an update. <laughs> he was Log like, oh, in shit. for your free gorditas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and pe- people do it all the time because when spear, spear phishing campaigns are really successful because 
they do such a good job as uh, of like posing as someone that you know or yeah, they look pretty good sometimes. Yeah. So and and a lot of people aren't as savvy, you know, as as others. So um, they get tricked by that. So either John Podesta or someone in his office was successfully spearfished, and they were able to um, have access to all these emails. And some of the emails had some. You know, some shit about how how the Democratic National Committee was like, fuck Bernie, like, basically, and that caused They're a problem. not necessarily problems. like a crime or anything, but just like no. people in the establishment kind of talking shit about someone who wasn't part of that establishment, which, I mean, yeah, shitty, but like, I don't think it should have like turned the election as much as it did, I guess. Um, yeah, it is pretty strange. Um. They also obtained, like, 20,000 deleted emails that Hillary Clinton deleted from a server before. That was, like, a separate thing that they obtained access to that WikiLeaks put out. So Julian Assange is definitely a Russian puppet, right? Like, Uh, Yeah, so Julian... Yeah, you know, I I, um, I never really knew a whole lot about Julian Assange until relatively recently. He's kind of a dink. Like, a kind of not a huge fan. Um, You know, when when he was busy unveiling... Um, videos of the U.S. government willfully shooting civilians and laughing about it. Like, yeah, sure, that was great. But then when it turned into when he turned into like this weird Russian conservative puppet, I was like, oh, never mind. This is dumb. That seems um, to be all the moves that he's made recently are basically yeah. in service of Russian foreign policy. Um, and so, so basically, what happened was in in terms of so, of course, there's that the spear phishing and the hacking and stuff. But then, um. In terms of infiltrating U.S. voter communities on social media, it, it was honestly pretty smart. What the Russians did this was is they... A, this is an absolute genius move. Yeah, I got to, yeah. like, hand it to him, man. Like, Yeah, I got to hand it to the Kremlin. Good good job fucking just us being like, You here. know what? I bet everyone over there is dumb as fuck. So I'll just pretend to, like, be a campaign thing and then, like, hand off all the work to someone who I guess just didn't want to come up with the idea first but was willing to do all the organizational parts or something. Well, they pretended to be U.S. citizens. Yeah. So they they pretended to be like John Patriot Eagle, you know, and <laughs> and they had access to like U.S. financial institutions, which they weren't supposed to have because some guy sold them fake financial info to get access to U.S. banking institutions to pose as U.S. persons easier to buy the ads from Facebook and other. Yeah. Social so this, media this is like so this is like a Silk Road, you know, like dark web shit where this guy sold bank numbers. And they then the Russians then bought those bank numbers and impersonated those people so that it looked more legit. Um, so what actually happened is like U.S. voters and people in Trump's orbit and like a bunch of conservatives who supported Trump did work with Russian agents, but they didn't know they were working with Russian agents because the Russians tricked them into thinking they were also U.S. citizens. So that is why there was no cooperation no willful cooperation between the Trump campaign and uh, Russian special intelligence. So a lot of it, especially yeah. like the, the the social media stuff was really like they weren't even necessarily inter- interacting with like campaign people so much as like going to areas well, they did, where but, yeah. they did. But like, I think the way it was framed to me or the way it came off to me was like the there was like two grew units involved with this. Uh, some more Tom Clancy shit for you. It was like unit two, six, one, six, five using yep. their X agent algorithm to tunnel information from certain servers to like, or like get database information on us voters. And they would target specific areas and causes on both sides, not just like conservatives, but like on to like black lives matter activists and to like stir shit up 
in that area as much as they could, and to generate to just cause a ruckus. Um, and it's pretty smart to just like be like, you know, uh, hey, I'm organizing this protest over here. Why don't you and all your pals come out here and start some shit? Like it was like targeted, fa- targeted protest things, or like, yeah, it's pretty so, smart, man. Like, so basically, what happened is, yeah, early on, uh, they did some things where they. Like, early on, like you said, they did pose as Black Lives Matter. They did pose as Bernie supporters. But then, as things went on, they really focused on Trump because they knew that... I mean, and also, keep in mind, even early on, they were mostly focusing on Trump. And the Black Lives Matter and Bernie stuff was kind of on the back burner because, you know, they, of course, didn't really know if this would work or how well this would work. But it worked spectacularly well. And they decided to, uh, you know, go kind of 100% into supporting Trump because... Trump being in power, of course, helps Russia a great deal since he's been pretty open about how sympathetic he is to Russia. And I think Russia also sees him as a, a very weak, um, a very weak person who that they can be, who they can easily manipulate. Um, and again, this is just what I'm gleaning from the report. So, uh, yeah, that seems so like they didn't have to ask Trump directly for anything when they can just like back channelly suggest things through like three layers of other dudes and yeah. he'll probably do it anyway. Yeah, and um and we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about some of that stuff in a minute, but with so knowing this, knowing that Russia definitely did infiltrate US voter communities and did engage in some uh you know, spear phishing campaigns and hacking that netted them emails that they released and it affected the way the the election went probably. Um a lot of people are asking like why doesn't this make the election invalid if we know there was foreign interference and like, why is the election standing? Why are we not removing the president? And the answer is that the constitution wasn't prepared for this. The constitution wasn't prepared for any of this shit that's been happening in the last couple of years. So really under equipped on that front. We have no legal way to deal with foreign interference in a U.S. national election. Um, Like it's wild to me that that's basically that's that's the case and it's also wild to me that there's basically no oversight of the executive branch in u.s government with the exception of impeachment by congress that is all we have so like i mean that was supposed to be the 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 balance right it's just like obviously a bunch of people over here if someone really fucking sucks they'll agree to remove him if he really fucking sucks yeah but congress like the constitutional founders like jokes on you guys you never thought congress itself would be full of idiots (laughs) like so so we're we're kind of strangled by um, an inadequate constitution, inadequate laws around. Um, or, or Paris, are we accurately represented? <laughs> you know, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're just. Are maybe. we just plain old being accurately represented here? Like, is that might be it? Yeah, I yeah. Um, we're a bunch of idiots, and we deserve idiots in Congress and an idiot president. Yeah, maybe. Um, so that's kind of my piece on that. Uh, so yeah, we don't have laws to deal with this stuff is kind of how it goes. And yeah, we, even, um, we're just, we're only talking about like the Russian, well, I mean, obviously they indicted like 14 people, uh, Russians, nationals on election interference. So there's laws around that part, but laws concerning like inadvertently receiving aid or interacting with agents of that government aren't really a thing. And the constitution never really thought to think about like, well, would that large scale meddling even render an election like uh, null and void? Yeah, right. The other the other problem is that we there's no measurable way to show um, that it did sway the election and in what way. I mean, I think we all have a an intuitive sense of how that happened, but like 
from a legal perspective, we don't have anything to work with. And also there are just no laws about it. So, I mean, I guess you could argue it's like if, you know, Russians were posing as U.S. people and those the U.S. people that changed their vote around it like didn't know they they it, what's the difference right like if that yeah. shit worked on them if that changed their opinion it would have worked from some other source too but yeah. does that matter if it did come from i mean so yeah it, Again. it's a murky area and Mueller himself concluded basically that only almost no u.s persons except for that one guy that sold the financial info for the russians to pose as u.s persons did anything that could be really considered a crime under their interpretation of of case law right and and we're just talking and not even case law also just like straight up law um but we're and again we're just talking about the the first part we're not we're not talking about um the obstruction thing is a whole other volume yeah the obstruction thing is a whole other thing and also uh the individual actions of people in trump's campaign is like kind of a separate thing because it some of it was related to this but like not really so oh yeah another thing that blew my fucking mind um, so I, Mueller in a couple parts is like, you know, I came to this conclusion, not because I don't, I don't think it's true, but basically because I don't have enough evidence to support it. And, a, and a couple of times that was because through the investigation, they discovered that a lot of people deleted shit, got new phones or used encryption, which prevented them from getting, which prevented the Mueller investigation from getting hundred percent of the truth. And I just can't fucking believe that the U.S. government was defeated by deleting some texts. Like, hey, I mean, I I guess this is like the greatest ad for like WhatsApp and VPNs and shit. If like, you know, the most like highly authorized person to like dig into the asshole of stuff like that. Because boy, did they like get deep into other people's text messages and emails, which I assume were mostly like just lawfully turned over or something. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, totally. A lot of the times he was just like, yeah, we didn't have enough evidence. We couldn't get access to these messages. We know some messages were sent at this time based on the info we got from the carrier itself. But we cannot see the actual content of those messages and we can only speculate on what's in there. Yeah, which is fucking crazy to me. Like, I would, in my mind, the U.S., the, like, IT at the U.S. federal government, like, that at that level... I mean, I feel like they could do anything, but apparently not. Just delete your text, guys, and use VPNs. I mean, do you want them to have that ability? Do you want them to have that ability, right? Like, that's... Well, but, like, whenever whenever they catch, like, like child pornographers and shit, they, they can always, like rebuild those hard drives that people have like set on fire and thrown in the ocean and like <laughs> sometimes not all the time uh i i guess i'm just really surprised that um and yeah. i guess that's different from like encrypting something yeah. and then wiping the yeah. data off of that and then like if that data got overwritten a thousand times over then that state in the hard drive probably wasn't saved or any you know right if if, if a server's rewriting info thousands of times a week or whatever eventually that data that was used to be there that got deleted is definitely overwritten a thousand times no i know it just it just really blew my mind that people were thwarted by vpns and like getting a new phone i I don't know maybe like robert Mueller's it team wasn't all up to like there are also moments in the report where Mueller's like yeah i could have subpoenaed this but like I would have just taken too long. So fuck it. So I didn't. Like, like that. I mean, like, all right, like it, sometimes it reads like he was just, like, done with a lot of shit yes, and just, like, wanted yes. to go home and do whatever the fuck Robert Mueller does when he gets home to relax or, like, try to blow off steam. 
like his basement full of like model trains that he's like it's the only thing in his life that has order I, I, or oh my god I whatever that, what I do you know. think robert Mueller's like blow off steam hobby is oh i hope it's i hope it's making model trains because that's like really wholesome <laughs> it's not just like he has a massive hentai addiction or oh, something no, like, no. Uh, like he just goes home he's just like he turns the computer on shuts the door locks his wife i was like it was bad today martha gotta be alone with my waifu pillow uh, <laughs> but uh so don't touch the document quarter please the other thing that i i learned from reading this report is that um i always thought that like it didn't matter if you knew whether or not something was illegal. Like, if you did the illegal thing, like, you were fucked. But apparently some laws require that you know it's illegal, like, before it, they can prosecute you for it. And I was like, that seems like a misstep. <laughs> like, It's a um, lot of the stuff involving Trump campaign uh, people communicating with Russians. Like, a lot of the time Mueller was like, well, you need to be willfully doing the crime of this and i was like really yeah isn't that crazy yeah so like some things he was unable to come to a conclusion on and convict people because he felt that there wasn't enough intent because certain laws require intent and i was like wow i had no idea that's not honestly man honest i'm gonna be honest with you it really feels to me like our legal system is set up to heavily punish people for crimes that are mostly done by poorer folk and to heavily let people off the hook when it's like white collar shit like this. Oh, absolutely. Our, I mean, if, if this report tells you anything, it's that our government and legal system is totally broken. It's a hot garbage fire. Um, it's like that tire fire that has been burning for 150 years. Like that's what that's basically <laughs> what our government is. Um, because- Somehow it keeps trucking along, but like, boy, if you if it oh he only defrauded us of millions of dollars. Oh, he only fucked with like the election of like one of the most powerful people in the world without yeah. not a big deal yeah like i just yeah it's insane um i was i was also a little confused so when when robert uh muller was talking about his definitions of um collusion and co- cooperation so he uses uh black's law dictionary definitions and throughout a lot of this it's like a famous legal text um basically like he was saying that he's using conspiracy rather than collusion because most like most laws don't refer to collusion. They refer to conspiracy. So like he was actually you could tell he was like actually pretty salty about the press constantly using collusion. He was like, God damn it. That's not, yeah, there it's was not a, a legal press. It's not a legal word. A couple of whole paragraphs about him being like a very like nitpicky, like legal scholar, semantic kind of thing. Like yeah. that one player at the at the D and D table that like always has to like super clarify exactly how dice rolls are calculated. Yeah, yeah, like you can't. <laughs> That's use Robert the... Muller. Robert Muller at a D and D table is like actually, if you look at page one hundred fifty seven <laughs> of the Dungeon Master Manual, you're supposed to be applying superior cover over here because yep. the troll can see me from the ridge, but he's still only looking just over the log. You should give me the plus two bonus on my roll, David. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Robert Muller is the D and D rules lawyer. Absolutely, <laughs> that is what is happening. Uh, but anyway. Did you collude uh, with the paladin to get a good role? <laughs> Muller uses Black's Law de- Dictionary definition of conspiracy, um, and that's what he was using to evaluate uh, whether the Trump campaign conspired with Russia. So conspiracy is defined by Black's Law Dictionary as an agreement between two or more persons to defraud another by the forms of law or to employ such forms as means of accomplishing some unlawful object. 
So he was adamant that he was investigating conspiracy and not collusion because collusion isn't really a thing in law, I guess. Um, and he's pretty annoyed. Show me in the dungeon. Show me in the player's handbook where it is, Dave, and I'll, I'll acquiesce. But <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. So so anyway, um, when he's talking about conspiracy in the more detailed section, you know, I was uh, the the dictionary definition stuff. I was pulling from a footnote, but in, in the larger section, he's talking about how the agreement can be either direct or tacit. And I was really, I was confused that he didn't consider. Uh, the day when Trump gave a speech and said, hey, Russia, can you find Hillary's 30,000 emails? And then Russia did. Like, I was really surprised that he didn't consider some that of his reasoning, agreement. Some right? of his reasoning is like, well, it was in public view, which isn't usually what happens with, like, conspiracy. With things, conspiracy, you'd, uh, right. You right. assume you'd want to hide right. that. And he was like, I... In this case, maybe because it's in public view, it doesn't really constitute a tacit agreement, but I think it kind of does. Yeah. Because Trump definitely knew Russian things were in his orbit and shit, right? Yeah. Like, he yeah. can't, he wasn't that isolated because Trump Jr. definitely knew Russians were giving him some, hopefully, some kind of dirt on Hillary when he set up that Trump Tower uh, meeting. Yeah. So, so like, interestingly, a lot of people. There were a lot of smaller players who tried to get the Trump campaign more openly involved with Russia. but Like, like a lot of them, though. Yeah, like a lot. There were a lot. But interestingly, most it seemed like everybody was mostly smart enough to turn down those like direct overtures. Like, for example, when people were like, yo, you got to bring Trump to meet with Putin like like before he's even confirmed as the uh, the Republican candidate. And everyone was like, I don't know, man, that seems a little it's a little much. Right. Um, I might have to give the campaign workers a little bit more credit than I was giving them at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I was surprised, actually, that... um, But, but again, that being said, they definitely got taken in by the the more, like, surreptitious uh, overtures that people made. Can Um, we talk about... Can we talk about Felix Sater? Okay. Okay. I was going to say a different thing, but, yeah, let's start with Felix. Okay, so Felix Sater is a... um, He's a real estate advisor who... um, has worked with a lot of Russians on U.S. properties. And it seems like he's definitely... He's not a Russian agent, but he's like... So if any of y'all have ever watched The Americans, if you haven't, fucking watch that shit, because that is... <laughs> I feel like that is basically what we're inside of right now. Um, it, it's almost like a Russian operative kind of like uh, convincing a U.S. citizen that the Russian cause is worth working for and they're not really an agent, but they're like kind of helping. That's kind of what I get out of Felix Sater. He does a bunch of uh, real estate deals with Russians and he is constantly trying to get (laughs) Michael Cohen to, um, (laughs) to agree to this meeting with Putin in Russia. And man, the (laughs) the emails. (laughs) Yeah. I know you hate how I read copy Paris, but I feel like you've read so much here and I kind of want to like, Oh yeah. Okay. Read the like does this not read like again, like some scammy eBay seller trying to like upsell you on something or like one of those choosy beggar types that you're trying to sell to something on Craigslist and he just won't get his shit straight on when he's gonna meet up with you and pay you and shit like that. <laughs> Alright, this is Felix Sater's email to Don Jr., right? Well read the read the, the title thing that's like oh, right. on oh, November third, yeah, right. yeah. On November third, twenty fifteen, the day after the Trump organization Transmitted the letter of intent, Sater emailed Cohen suggesting that the Trump Moscow project could be used to increase candidate Trump's chances at being elected. Writing. 
Marty, our boy can become president of the USA and we can engineer it. I will get all of Putin's team to buy in on this. I will manage this process. Michael, Putin gets on stage with Donald for a ribbon cutting for Trump Moscow and Donald owns the Republican nomination and possibly beats Hillary out and our boy is in. We will manage this process better than anyone. You and I will get Donald and Vladimir on a stage together very shortly. That's the game changer. Later that That's the game changer. I'm sorry. Later that day, Slater followed up. Donald doesn't stare down. He negotiates and understands the economic issues. And Putin only wants to deal with a pragmatic leader. And a successful businessman is a good candidate for someone who knows how to negotiate. Business, politics, whatever it all is the same for someone who knows how to deal. Which I guess is a Trump quote. Yeah. Um. Continuing. Um, I think I can get Putin to say that at the Trump, po- Trump Moscow press conference. If he says it, we own this election. America's most difficult adversary agreeing that Donald is a good guy to negotiate. We can own this election. Michael, my next steps are very sensitive with Putin's very, very close people. We can pull this off. Michael, let's go. Two boys from Brooklyn getting a USA (laughs) president election. This is good, real good. (laughs) Like, and and like, I love how they don't show you Cohen's responses because Cohen probably didn't respond. Yeah, honestly, he was kind of not into it. This whole Trump-Moscow yeah. thing basically petered out after a while. Well, yeah, so so there was, like, drama over um, whether Trump was still trying to pursue a real estate deal for Trump Tower in Moscow, Moscow while he was uh, running for president and then after he had already won the presidency. And basically, Michael Cohen got in trouble for lying for him about that and saying, oh, no, we were totally done with that before he was elected, shifty eyes, except they weren't. And they were still trying to do it, but like, yeah, like Chris said, it just kind of, they just kind of like forgot about it and like didn't finish the deal. So honestly, they're not guilty because they were like shitty businessmen. Like, no, not even Paris. Honestly, this is like the, like, I guess high level business deals are the same as like trying to fucking get an online date or sell something on Craigslist. Yeah. Like you exchange a couple emails. Everything looks good. They're all super excited about it. And then like a week later, they they don't reply to your responses and it just peters out and never goes anywhere. Yeah. So basically they were still trying to do shit while after he got elected, which is not allowed. Um, but like the deal didn't end up going through because they just, yeah, they just kind of like, you know, it's like, it's like those emails that you start writing and you don't finish. And like four weeks later, you're like, oh my God, I never sent that email, but you can't get yourself to send that email. Like that was the whole trip. It, yeah. It's Moscow like already thing. too late. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, it's been like a month. It's going to be awkward if I send it now. Yeah. Like that was, that was that. So, um, and then the, and then the, um, so that was Trump tower, Moscow, that was a different thing than the Trump Tower meeting, which that refers- was a, a, referred to a meeting that took place at the Trump Tower in New York. Right. Um, but before we move on, I would also like to go. I would like to. I'd like to discuss my my favorite fuckboy duo of this whole Mueller report. Oh. Pop and Page. Papa and Page are amazing. Like their whole so- sections were basically like these fucking two bumbling idiots trying to do anything they can. To, like, have influence in national politics. These two are going around everywhere talking to Russians, being like, oh, no, you and I, yeah, we're going to get, like, relations between the U.S. and Russia started again. We're going to fix all the problems, me me and you over here. They didn't yeah. know each other, but, like, whoever they interacted with, they were always talking about, like, oh, man, we can start up U.S.-Russia relations. It's going to be so good for everyone. And by the oh, way, man. by the way, when I say Papa and Page, I'm talking about George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. 
Uh, I just think Papa and Paige is a is a funnier way to say <laughs> That's it. That's like when like all the TV shows come out of this, and Papa and Paige is going to be like the sitcom spinoff of like yep. two idiots trying to fit anywhere they can on this stage, and basically. They didn't fail totally, but like they're they well. I think they're they're the great examples of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's... my favorite thing about like Papadopoulos. Is, <laughs> there's too too many things to talk about with Papadopoulos, actually. But but like the the he he also like seems like one of those like scammy types that just like tries to get in anywhere he can. The dude is a LinkedIn mastermind. All right. Like, wait, wait, what? Did you not read all the parts on in the report where like he initiated contact with like ca- Trump campaign people or Russians? Oh yeah, via LinkedIn. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot. He about just that. like cold messages people like high level political people off of LinkedIn and gets taken seriously. And yeah, then like he's who who is sitting there seriously answering LinkedIn messages? Like I guess fucking high level political operatives. <laughs> I guess. Um. But yeah. So like Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, basically like. Like Chris already said, they were just like desperately trying to w- get fame and influence in the in the political sphere and like w- worm their way into both Russian intelligence and U- the U.S. presidential campaign, like the Republican campaign. It was very odd. Um, yeah. And, and it didn't work out for either of them. Like Papadopoulos got fired. Page got fired because they were like too pro Russia and the, the Republican can't, you know, Trump's campaign was like, Oh man, we got to get rid of these dudes. Like they're obviously too pro Russia, which like in their defense was the right call, you know? Um, I mean, Paige so, himself, just like, he doesn't have anything as hilarious as Papadopoulos, like interacting with that professor. Oh, which I feel is, like he did, but I didn't take enough notes on it. I just, Papa and Paige was my, was my contribution. Paige just kind of like shows up at, th- at things and like gives speeches about how he's going to start up, U.S. and Russia relations and, like, tries to, like, schmooze with people. I don't understand how these people can go around, like, flying around the fucking world being like, yeah, I'm going to be the one. It's me. I'm going to start up these foreign relations yeah, and fix I have, everything. I have no fucking idea. I have no idea. That dude and Carter Page, like, didn't he, like, go into serious debt or something because of all of this? I, th- I, I, you know what? <laughs> I Probably. There's so many details in here that I forgot some of that. Um, no, I think he, like, spent his life savings or something. I don't know. There The passage about... Carter Page was pretty early on, so it's a little. How fuzzy. about Carter Page's notes? Actually, no, was those that are who- those are Papadopoulos's notes. Oh, Papadopoulos's Papa's notes. Papa, these are Papadopoulos's like <laughs> handwritten notes. We're gonna put what- these up somewhere so y'all can see them. He was like at a conference about like Russian foreign policy or uh, something like that, and he was like in a meeting about things. And like, I'm just gonna read the notes to you verbatim. And t- you can tell me if you have any idea what he was trying to fucking note down to remember. Wait, are later you reading? Here. Are you reading the transcription, or are you actually going to try to read the fucking? No, notes I'm, I'm reading the transcription. I can't read that fucking chicken scratch story. <laughs> you can't. This is worse than me, a blind person's handwriting. <laughs> you can. You've read my handwriting yeah, before. Your Paris. handwriting is fine. It's passable. All right, here, here we go. September. Have an exploratory meeting. Be or lose in September, if allowed, they will blast Mr. Trump. Next line. We want the meeting in London slash England. Waleed slash Sam, me. No official letter slash no message from Trump. They are talking to us. Hyphen, it is a lot of risk. Hyphen, office of Putin. Hyphen, explore, we are a campaign. Off Israel. Egypt, in all caps. Willingness to meet the PM. Ep with Walid slash Sam hyphen PM coming 
hyphen useful to have a session with him. Okay, I'm going to give my take on the notes themselves. <laughs> I don't understand what any of that's about, Paris. No, I have no idea. Uh... Oh god, I don't even think What I is they are talking to us hyphen it is a lot of risk hyphen office of Putin hyphen explore we are a campaign. Do you not know your campaign? I what do you don't know. Yeah, I think actually I think the transcription, yeah, it says like September. Have a exploratory meeting to or lose in September <laughs> and if or hard they will Blo- blast? Yeah, maybe it is blast. Mr. Trump, we... <laughs> you try want- to the This is like reading want- a doctor's like prescription, and by- the doctor had a seizure in the middle of giving <laughs> yeah. you the prescription. We want the meeting with uh, apostrophe <laughs> slash Sammy me in London, England. Do official letters. No meeting from Trump. They are... Falling to Ugg in <laughs> slot of right. Coffee it is, and it rum? Is, it is slot of right is what that looks Coffee like. Coffee and rum? Explore Coffee. we in a rampage. <laughs> Off Israel? Question mark. Egypt. Witnesses to me. Actually, that doesn't look like Egypt to me. That looks like for jerks. It looks like FGJRT. <laughs> Will witnesses to meet to FM spy with Walid Sam FM. I can't even read the last. So like, what the fuck? Yeah, At this like, point, he's just trying to cram anything he can into like the bottom of the page. Oh yeah. Oh, and here's the best part: when he was interviewed by the Mueller investigation, he refused to translate the notes that he himself had written. He was like, "I don't know what those say." And they were like, "Are you fucking serious?" And he was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I can't read my own handwriting." I just scribble nonsense to make it look like I'm doing <laughs> something he, at high level official meetings. Like, how was he not held in like contempt for that? I mean, I guess because they couldn't prove it, but like, it's really trying to say you couldn't read any of your notes. I fucking can't. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um. Uh, yeah, and like, continuing like the Papa Page, Manafort Gate stuff. Many of these idiots ended up in jail for lying about stuff, not the stuff itself, which I found hilarious. Like, okay, sure. Honestly, if you really were just honest with them, you would have been fine, probably. Yeah, with the exception of, like, the campaign finance payments and, um... Manafort dealings in Ukraine. The FARA FARA things that he got indicted for, is that's Um, different. Yeah, like, not registering as a foreign agent. Like, he was actively working on behalf of Ukraine, but he wasn't registered as an agent of Ukraine. Same for Flynn, but Flynn was like working for Turkey or something while he was also the national security advisor, which is just sketchy as fuck. Um, yeah, like, yeah, a lot of the lack of criminal activity was really like accidental or just not covered by law. Like, I don't know, it was, it was tough because, um, so Cohen got fucked over the campaign finance law violations for paying Stormy Daniels and whatever that other Karen, whatever, um, you know, paying them off to not talk about fucking the president during like right before the election. Um, and Mueller was talking about whether campaign finance law actually also applies to like the emails and information that the Russians gave or promised to give to the Trump campaign. And 
basically he had a really hard time deciding if those things were things of value largely because they didn't really provide like the emails themselves didn't have anything in them that really helped the campaign and then the but other it stuff did that they help were... the campaign because people thought there was something in there. I, I know, but um, and then the other part was like the things that they promised to give to them during the Trump Tower meeting never materialized. So in that case, I could see why he said, "Okay, that's not a thing of value because it never existed." But yeah, the the Clinton emails. He, you could see that Mueller was like fighting with himself while he was writing this. Right? Um, he was really trying to figure out basically if um. The Clinton emails or the other promise stuff that never materialized were considered things of value under campaign finance law and campaign finance law prohibits monetary donations or things of value. It doesn't define that um, from foreign forces to a U.S. political campaign. And Mueller just like seemed to really struggle with applying that um, in this case. So, yeah, I I also think that like I would still he he also said like the intent if like it did. I, I I feel like the intent to try to get those emails should be criminal. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you're definitely yeah, like you're you're consulting a foreign force to get something of value for a U.S. political campaign. But he basically said they were too dumb to know what they were doing wasn't okay, and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I buy that. I That's just, the most questionable conclusion that he drew in this whole report. Yeah, yeah, I agree. To, to me, at least, like, I mean, I guess he's the one that's more of a legal scholar in that realm, so I, I'm going to have to go with the expert here, I suppose. But, like, if it's such a gray area, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. Where, so, like, the, do we, if, we can maybe move on to the obstruction thing at this point, because that whole section is also him tr- trying to, like, grapple with the idea of if something counts, if, if you're willfully doing it or ignorant of the law well it's because it's because that's one of those laws that requires intent yeah so 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 the whole volume two of of the obstruction case is him grappling with that segment of gray areas like well because he was just saying that shit in public does it really mean is it just because he's the president no 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 no, you're no we're you're getting a little confused um he specifically states in the second volume when he's talking about obstruction that the thing said in public is like not it's not an issue here and that could that could still be considered obstruction there's a very specific clause where he discusses that. Oh, but yeah, before, that mis- before we move on to that, I do have a couple more funnies. Um, so it turns out Donald Trump Jr. will click on any suspicious ass link oh, you yeah. send him. <laughs> Can we just talk about that for a second? There's like a couple of times. This is one time Donald Trump Jr. gets sent like a random Twitter DM that's like, hey, it's me from the Russian government with this private drop password protected file. No, thing. no, no. It was it was DC leaks or it was somebody it was like. Yeah, it was DC Leaks who was like pretending to be WikiLeaks, but was actually a Russian operative. Yeah, so uh, he he got sent a direct message from uh, DC Leaks saying, "Hey, here's some stuff that would be interesting. It might be about Hillary Clinton's emails. I forget exactly what they dangled." No, in front he of said him. he said this this is a link to all the emails that we stole from Hillary, and oh, it was. Yeah, yeah and so. Don Jr. just like clicks it and like goes into it on the word that it's not a totally a virus or something. So maybe if we just email, like DM Don Jr. posing as some other leak thing on maybe like possible future Democratic can- campaign candidates in 2020, he'll click on our shit and we can just put this episode in there for him to listen to. Yeah, honestly, we could we could DM him right now and be like, "We're from the future. We have Hillary's <laughs> future emails," and he would absolutely click on that shit. <laughs> As long as you kind of made it look legit. Yes, yeah, so like, 
they sent him a link and they also sent him login credentials to use and like what person does that i would never do that it just seemed like so hilariously irresponsible for somebody on a high-level political campaign to just be fucking clicking rando emails. And he definitely did it on, like, not a burner computer. Like, he opened oh, no. it, like, almost as soon as he received it, I'm yep. pretty sure. Is what... Yep. Like, on his phone, I think. <laughs> just, like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> hilarious. Oh, Even though the campaign had already been, like, say, like, you know, Trump had already said Russia if you have those emails. So they knew it could have been from, like, possibly Russian yep. sources, maybe if they were, weren't too dumb to think. So Don June is just opening, like, Russian intelligence fucking direct yep. messages on his phone yep. and not thinking about any possible spyware malware that could be embedded in there which they did have uh, yeah <laughs> I, but yeah i think well they did but not not in that specific instance not so in like, that not in this case they but, just sent the emails yeah i feel like so much of this boils down to Mueller being like nah they were just too dumb <laughs> and you're just <laughs> like wow i can't believe that's a defense okay um and there's some other funny things about like uh, Imena Galarov and uh, Goldstone and like, like there, there's like some, there's like all these other minor players that we don't have time to really get into. But uh, I think Eamon is like a singer. Or He's a pop singer, and his dad is a super rich Russian aluminum magnate or something like. No, no, that's some other guy. I have so many. He, he's his dad's a rich Russian involved in some Russian politics things, and he was emailing to. Robert Goldstone, who was trying to set up that that Trump Tower meeting and oh, after Aga, everything um, fell. Aras Agalorov is the Russian real estate developer and owner of the Crocus Group. So probably the holder of the piss tapes is who that guy is. Yeah. So anyway, he after the meeting came out like to the public that this meeting happened, uh, Aras was like super pissed off about it. And Eamon, the singer, I guess he got like a talking to by his dad. Like, I fucking told you this thing was stupid to do. And then he basically sent an email to Goldstone that was like, my dad doesn't listen to me anymore, and our relationship with Mr. T has been thrown down the drain. Like, sad face. <laughs> so he was talking about Trump, but I can't help but thinking about him, like, crying about, like, Mr. T, the guy from the A-team, won't talk to us anymore. No, Mr. Trump is my, my dad's mad at me about this now, you guys. You idiots <laughs> had to have this meeting. I'm just trying to sing pop songs. Oh, yeah. So there's just, like, dumb shit like that. And then the the Trump Tower meeting... We can briefly just tell people what the hell that was about. So basically, uh, you know, Trump Jr. got that that link and he was like, oh, shit, it's all the emails or whatever. And so they were like, yeah, we're, we can. I don't know. I forget who it was like. Agalarov, uh, Vasilitskaya. What the fuck was her name? Um, Vasilitskaya. Vasilitskaya. Yeah. Um, it was like this Russian lawyer and she was like. The whole pretext was that, like, oh, it's about Russian adoption, which is what hit the U.S. press, like, like years later. But at the time, they were like, no, we have dirt on Hillary. We can we can give it to, to you know, we can give it to the campaign, basically. And honestly, like, the campaign was skeptical that it Kushner was really Kushner wasn't into it. He, he didn't like the meeting at all. Yeah, he Kushner, was like, this is a Kushner, waste of time. Yeah, like, to his credit, Kushner was like, I thought it was total BS. Um, a lot of people did. But he still went. Yeah, he still went. And some other people tried to lie. And like, I think, was it Trump Jr. Or was it somebody else like thought it was credible? And then later tried to lie to Mueller about it and be like, no, I thought it was bullshit. And Mueller was like, nah, but these emails show otherwise. They were like, oh, damn. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. so anyway, they went to this meeting and it was like this Russian lawyer and a couple of other Russians and members of the campaign. 
But nothing. They didn't actually give them anything at the meeting. They like promised stuff and they knew like they, they probably didn't have anything there. And the lawyer then started talking about the Magnitsky Act, which is basically a series of sanctions on high level Russian oligarchs and institutions, uh, like a freeze on their assets in the U.S. because of their involvement in like previous things. It wasn't the election meddling. That was a separate sanction that Obama yeah, put on. Right. Which was a whole other obstruction of justice thing, possibly. But the, the Magnitsky Act was designed to place sanctions on Russian entities for their involvement in some shady shit. And the Russian lawyer was trying to, like, get a guarantee that that policy would be reversed once Trump was in office in trade for this dirt that she did not bring to the meeting. Yeah. So basically, at that point, the campaign was like, fuck this. They don't even have anything. And they didn't think anything more about it. And honestly, like, yeah, I I would. But then when um when it became clear that the emails relating to the meeting were about to become public because I forget why they got subpoenaed by somebody. I don't remember. Um, it was like a New York Times article. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow somebody got, I, I don't remember if they were subpoenaed or if somebody just got them. Um, but yeah, there was a Times article about to come out about it. And they contacted them ahead of time and was like, hey, do you want to respond to this? And, you know, Trump was like, no, we're not going to respond to it. And everyone was like, no, we probably should. This looks bad. Um, but basically, like, Trump Jr. crafted this statement um, and had his dad look over it. And Trump was like, no, just say it was about Russian adoptions. And Trump Jr. was like, dad, they're obviously going to catch us in a lie. And so Trump Jr. snuck in the word primarily. There was like a whole back and forth between like uh, on between like it was like between like Hope Hicks, Don Jr. and a couple other people about like that specific passage so that he could like kind of get away with it. Yeah, they were basically trying. Yeah, they were like, how do we get away with this? Uh, Fucking uh, worked, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, And I think you pointed out that like you pointed out that some of the redactions are probably legitimate, but a lot of the ones that are labeled personal privacy are just like maybe obscuring trump's name in relation to whatever's being described or like you know who knows i don't know conceivably there's sometimes there's like a name in there like i don't i don't really know who this could be maybe it's just like some super tangential player that they don't want to get like put in the public eye or something like that but why do that if everyone else in there is like involved in that i don't understand who these people like there's there's a lot of there's four different types of redactions there's harm to ongoing matter which I think is usually involved with like cases with the Russians that got indicted. No, it's it's because it relates to one of the other fourteen cases that were referred to other offices. Yeah, that's the Russian no, meddling no, indictment. No, that's no. There's a bunch of other cases outside of the Russian stuff. Oh well, I like I, like I, the I, Russian I stuff pl- has already concluded. Harm to ongoing matter refers to any cases that are still currently in progress. I, it's basically all the ones that are like blacked out at the end of the document. Yeah, so I, I don't know what those could be at the at the moment. Yeah, well, I There's, think some of them are definitely Roger Stone. I definitely yeah. know that. Even though Roger's it. name gets like brought up in the clear a bunch of other times, so what? Like why? Yeah, I don't know. There's um basically yeah, they're all abbreviated sometimes. So you get a lot of harm to ongoing matters and personal privacy. There's a lot of hums and peepees out there, which sounds like the worst sandwich in the world, honestly. <laughs> Um, then you have investigative technique, which is, I guess, used yeah. to obscure anything that might lead on to, like, how they got that info. Right, right. And then grand jury is because anything, um, any testimony in a grand jury is, like, privileged information and it's not publicly available. So anything they got from a grand jury hearing, I guess. 
but I'm also unclear as to like how that works in the grand text of the document, but you know. Um yeah, I don't know. I know that you you were like <clears throat> You made a list of redactions that you thought were suspect. I, I, I started and then I gave up immediately. So there's like only two there that and like. I, I basically said like, I don't know, maybe they were like comparing dick girths. Like, who knows? They were just like, oh, no one can know about this. No one could know that we were texting about this. Yeah, there are a couple of texts there that I'm like, why is this personally private between these two people, even though you're talking about what these two were talking about? Maybe it was just because Mueller will like inject sometimes like quotes from like, the, at oh, one point so in like good. an inter- interview question. He mentions how someone you. Oh, I was there to quote unquote hype them up about something or like <laughs> or or like when you find out that uh mifsud and uh oh what was her name oh, polonskaya or something Polon, Polon, polonskaya maybe yeah uh, like this russian lady and mifsud were probably dating because there's a, a message where she says baby thanks and muller's like this indicates that they may have been in a relationship <laughs> <laughs> very like, like clinically Jesus. taking apart like clearly by the way this was phrased and he was probably inserting his penis into her at some point <laughs> moving on to the other people <laughs> yeah um all right so i think i think that kind of wraps up i mean we don't need to go into all the indictments and like manafort and gates actually my one funny note about manafort and gates is that there's like whole giant super long footnotes where Mueller basically just talks about how shitty they both are and i thought that was <laughs> hilarious He's just like, yeah, these fuckers fucking kept lying to me about shit. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, they claim this. In reality, this is actually yep. what happened based on these text messages and emails that I got. <laughs> yep, like several page long footnotes where he's just like, nah, these dudes suck. Um, but all that stuff is publicly available. So, I mean, this is too, but. Th- that's it- how Mueller gets you after you like break, like wildly get away with something at the D&D table. <laughs> <laughs> the GM shouldn't have awarded him that action point. It totally yeah. was like he was it was just basic role playing. It wasn't anything special. <laughs> oh god. So then we move into volume two, which involves obstruction of justice by uh President Trump. And um that's the volume that gets like real interesting. At the very outset, there's a lot of like legal wrangling with like how you can even prosecute or even if he could prosecute. Because like right out the front, I forget if this is at the end summary or like the beginning summary, because you get two sets of summaries at the start and at the ending, essentially. And he basically lays out like, well, I can't really issue a prosecution here. I'm here to like more investigate. I don't think I have the jurisdiction to prosecute the president when that's technically Congress's job to remove a corrupt right. president. So right. I don't think I can deliver a decision of guilty. All I can tell you is if he's clearly not guilty or if he's not not guilty. <laughs> Which and and when I and when I and he basically is like if he was not guilty I would tell you that and I am not telling you that. Yeah. <laughs> like multiple times. So basically yeah, Mueller was put in a really difficult position. So Mueller is a pretty um I would say he's a pretty strict interpreter of the law. Uh, he's not really like the spirit of the law kind of types. He's like, no, if this is what the law says and we have to interpret it as closely as possible, which is why I think, um, I think perhaps if this was given to, uh, a different person, it may have turned out slightly differently, but I'm fine with the way it, I'm fine with it. Like having read it all, I'm like, no, I get it. Like, I totally get it because I'm also like a stickler like that. And I like to take things very, um, it's a reasoned approach. It's not. It's a reasoned approach and a thorough legal analysis of yep. this extremely gray area that has no precedent. If this was like your grad school project, it would be like the capstone to end all capstones. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. 
Um, they, yeah, they just actually, they're like, you know what? They just hand you a PhD. They're like, y'all, y'all earned it. Um, I feel like Mueller should have an honorary law degree from every fucking law school <laughs> yeah. that ever was. Like, fucking, I, I mean, think about all the people who worked for him, too. Like, there were a lot of people involved in um, creating this, you know, in, in his office. So, uh, but there, I mean, there are still, so while the second part gets kind of like fucking wild, there are some pretty funny moments in it. Like, Chris brought up before, like, the first part had a lot of, like, Tom Clancy shit, and there's also some fucking, like, mob boss spy novel shit in the second part where Trump is like, I need loyalty from you, and Comey's like, you will get honesty from me, and then, <laughs> like, it's like a tumbleweed rolls by, like, I mean. There's, like, five different TV shows in this report, if oh, you, like, absolutely. divide it up the right way. Copper um, and Page is the one I want to watch, though, for sure. <laughs> So, um, there are a what's number... The, what's the theme song to Papa and Paige, Paris? <laughs> Papa and Paige. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of it. Sending emails, trying <laughs> to get famous, make it in the world, but they're too dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Play stupid games and <laughs> win stupid prizes, Papa and Paige. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll stop now. Right. Um... So the second part, which tackles the obstruction of justice by the president. Um, so there are a bunch of like, uh, kind of like sub, uh, sub issues, but there are, there are, uh, core obstruction of justice issues that Mueller tackles in the report. And I'll just go ahead and read them out. So president Trump's conduct in regards to the Flynn investigation, president Trump's conduct in regards to Comey's announcement of the Russia investigation, Comey's firing, efforts to fire Mueller, efforts to curtail Mueller, efforts to prevent disclosure of Trump Tower meeting, efforts to have Sessions take over the Russia investigation, the order to McGahn to deny attempt to fire Mueller, conduct toward Flynn, conduct toward Manafort, conduct toward Manafort again, conduct toward redacted individual, probably Stone, conduct toward Cohen, conduct toward Cohen again. And he goes into all these things. And like I said, there are like sub issues in each of those. But those are like the core obstruction issues. And he he has to consider like legally, he has three things to consider. He has to consider um, was the act, act obstructive? So that means like, did it did actually it, yeah. prevent did it materially? Right. So like, did it actually prevent Congress or the special counsel investigation from uh, did it obstruct them from doing their jobs? Yeah. So this doesn't apply to um, concealing information from the public, interestingly. So yeah, uh, Nexus is like whether it happened kind of in conjunction with that thing. So like whether on a it, temporarily you could connect those two things, right? Like it'd be one thing if Trump had done, you know, Trump had done something that people considered obstructive, but it happened like months after there was any consequence. Like there has to be a temporal connection like it has to happen like um it has to be like a causal relationship right and then lastly yep. there's intent and that's just you know whether the intent was obstructive or not um and he uh i feel like he gets a gets a home run on uh about a third of these so yeah that there's, says something. So there's basically there's like four things that tick all boxes here you've handily copied and pasted a chart into our notes. Oh yeah, thank so, you, uh, Kinta Jashik. Jashik, uh, she made this lovely graphic um, because I was typing it out and was like, "There must be a better way." Um, so yeah. So a- the four things that ticked all the boxes of obstructive act, the having having a temporal nexus, and obstructive intent 
were the efforts to fire Mueller, the efforts to curtail Mueller, order to McGahn to deny attempts to fire Mueller, and the conduct toward Manafort's co cooperation with the Mueller investigation, even though Manafort technically didn't cooperate fully. Right. On all those, it's pretty clear that there were, like, he tried to fuck with the investigation, and it yep. materially impeded them when, because of these efforts, you know, certain testimonies were harder to get, or... You know, it was just hard. if you fired the dude, obviously that would fuck up the investigation, right? Like, yeah, I mean, and and, and a lot of the ones where he didn't um, kind of check the three boxes, he checked two. Uh, some were half checked boxes. Some were like a third checked. <laughs> you know, so in some cases, partial credit. You know, Trump yeah, is probably yeah. the, the the master of getting partial credit and passing just by the hair of his ass. Yeah, and it's like, and in some cases, even though maybe he doesn't give all the three checks to a certain action, it's it's not because that's not what happened. Like, I think I think I know in my heart that a lot of this is was probably an obstructive act, but or or it was an obstruction of justice. But like, he didn't have enough information to prove that. So in a lot of cases where the boxes are half checked or whatever, it's because he offers alternate interpretations of the events. So. Because sometimes the way that Trump says things or events that transpired or if there's like missing information, you can construe a set of facts or a set of words in more than one way. So it was only when he was 100% sure that it could only be construed in one way did he really say um, that justice was obstructed. But I mean, we have four clear, full obstruction of justice, uh, basically charges. Yeah. Um, and then there's a few other ones that are you know, two thirds of the way there or more. So I feel like if, if people hadn't like deleted texts and emails and like encrypted shit and like, if people had been more cooperative, he probably could have gotten a home run on a few more of these. But, um, and so like, honestly, the only one where I totally agree that what, you know, that it wasn't an obstruction of justice was the preventing disclosure of the Trump tower meeting because Trump trying to fuck with, um, like that memo and say that that meeting was just about Russian adoptions. That was just for the press and like yep. the public. So it didn't it didn't have anything to do with the investigation or Congress. So yeah, that's fine. But everything else, not great. Um, and in a lot of cases, like I said, it, it, some of them, you know, he he didn't he wasn't one hundred percent sure it was obstruction of justice justice because things could be interpreted differently. But like he's being really generous, I think. Yeah, because he has to be basically. Yeah, yeah, because he can't offer that traditional prosecutorial decision. I think right. he's basically trying to. He sort of passes the book to Congress in a way. Oh, but... absolutely, he does. Yeah, in the footnotes, especially there are a couple of footnotes where he's like, "Yo, Congress, you can impeach him. That's what you can do." Yep, that's that's basically his cure for this. He's like, "This is supposed to be Congress's prerogative and ability to remove a corrupt official." Yeah. Well, that's literally the only thing we have. So um, there, are, there are some things that were funny. Like, um, I never thought I'd sit here and praise Chris Christie for being reasonable. But, you know, well, here I am. Um, there are some passages where Chris Christie is, like, dining with Trump. And Trump says some inflammatory shit. And Chris Christie's like, dude, that's a terrible idea. Don't fucking do that. Like, like yeah. it, was, it was just pretty funny to hear, to, to see Chris Christie as, like, a very reasonable, rational person compared to trump like where trump's like i don't because i think trump was like i'm gonna fire Mueller. i forget what what they were talking about or i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and chris christie was like dude no don't chris christie is like kind of petty sometimes but like not that petty and he's also not stupid yeah 
Um, and then fucking Sarah Sanders admitting uh, about her multiple ways of lying. She's like, oh, uh, I just said something. It was a slip of the tongue. I said it in the heat of the moment. Fuck you, Sarah Sanders. You're the worst. Ugh. Just such obvious bullshittery. Like, this yeah. whole thing, from the top to bottom, every person into, like, the emails sent back and forth between, like, tr- Trump campaigners and Russian people, uh, all the people involved in the campaign, Trump himself. It's just top to bottom setting off my bullshit detectors all the time. And oh, yeah. I don't understand how other people don't get that same I sense. Don't, I honestly don't know how anyone that works for Trump at the White House, like, anyone in his orbit survives working for him for any period of time. I, I mean, the exchange is, like, when you read about what happens with, like, McGahn and... um uh kt uh mcfarland and like um uh bannon and like all these people like basically trump is just uh, he's just all over the place all the time and constantly asking people to do shit that's like wicked illegal and asking people to lie for him constantly and then when people are like hey that's a lie he's like no it's not i mean and we can take the the recent expose about the golf tournament as uh, you know another example of that where Straight out of a Simpsons episode, we have we have Trump at a golf course playing golf with someone and their kid, and like the kid was doing better than Trump, so Trump stole the kid's ball and threw the child's ball like into the lake. And when the the kid and the dad were like, "Uh, that's not yours," he was like, "Yes, it is. I won this tournament." Uh- <laughs> it's it's such a level of just not giving a fuck about what reality actually is yeah. and just making your own that it actually kind of fucking works and it does work for him right so i know i know we had this discussion when we read the art of the deal i've kind yeah. of been on yeah on this page for a while that like perception actually is the reality in some ways like you for especially when it comes to political stuff like this i, I guess just lying until you make it is the way to fucking go yeah, I mean, he just... So this is Terrible Book Club, the number one podcast in the world. Yeah. To... We <laughs> yep. have so many fans. The most And you famous. should keep sharing us. We actually have a thousand patrons, not I'm ten. The, we're the best podcast in the world. So many people come to us and say, wow, Chris and Paris, your podcast is so great, so wonderful. I listen to it every day. I re-listen to episodes all the time because it's so funny. You have such interesting takes on things. I actually have a money bath scheduled for after we finish <laughs> recording today. We won the podcast awards in yes. California, yep. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, obviously all of that was hyperbole, but... um. Yeah, Trump is a great example of, yeah, just making your own reality and saying fuck it to the truth and facts because you can just, I guess, do that. That's a thing you can do. Horrifying. Um, The Cohen section reads like a fucking mob drama on HBO, dude. Like that whole, the whole Cohen thing is like just crazy. I don't know. Um, Shady dealings with adult film actresses, weird payments, threats to, you know, people's lives and well-being. Uh, yeah, and then, like, uh, also Trump threatening, well, Trump off basically dangling Wait. pardons in front of people, but then, uh, what, sorry, what? What's the theme song to that show, the HBO Michael Cohen, like, legal drama about Oh, God, I don't it, know. It, it, it's like the Sopranos or, like, the Wire theme song, but, like, about, <laughs> about Michael Cohen instead. Woke up this morning, got myself a... Check from Donald Trump to pay off an adult film actress that <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Woke up this morning, another lady to pay off. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. So that that section was interesting. Um, 
this is just so i just have some random notes there's a footnote referring to a case press a case uh and the case was cobbledick versus the united states and <laughs> How could I not write that down? He put these two dicks together and it was terrible and a crime against humanity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cobbledick v. U.S. rules that <laughs> the cobbled dick was, in fact, a monstrosity. You um, cannot cobble any of these dicks together. Um, I-, I don't know. There was this, like, routine phrase that Mueller used throughout. It was, like, to chill performance of duties. Like, did not <laughs> chill his performance of duties. And I was like... That seems like such a strange phrase for a legal document, but uh, I don't know. He didn't chill the fuck out in his presidential. Just have a fucking joint and sit back, man. Like, like we didn't we didn't go into detail on all the obstruction of justice things, but there there are some quotes in here about um like when uh when he fucking found out that uh that the Russia investigation started from Sessions, he he like slumped back in his chair and said that's it this is the end of my presidency i'm fucked and like that's in the report just like that he said that and um he was he was like oh oh, a lot of this report is him just like verbally beating sessions like i kind of feel bad for jeff sessions a little little bit bit. (laughs) um which i shouldn't because jeff sessions is, is a monster as well but uh maybe this was part of him getting his comeuppance but basically like trump was pissed at him for recusing himself from the investigation but sessions had to because he was part of the trump campaign and technically was investigated as part of this investigation so he could not be the presiding attorney general over the investigation so he recused himself and trump wouldn't let him live it down he was constantly pissed about him he's like you're supposed to protect me like exactly he, like he would eric, not holder, let- eric holder took a contempt of congress for obama you're not gonna do it for me like i can't i can't believe this sessions you need to unrecuse yourself Tweets and, everyone, and text messages at like three in the morning, yep. a bunch of meetings just beating his ass yep. over it. Like, and and like uh then he would constantly demand his resignation and then not let him resign. <laughs> and there was a period of time where Sessions just kept his resignation letter in his pocket at all times. Like <laughs> Imagine ready. being that fucking guy where you have to have your resignation letter like on quick draw in case <laughs> like so you dumb. need to get it out there. And like and, and like he tried to resign and he just like Trump wouldn't let him and it was just so what, what stupid. If, what if he just fucking stayed home? I, like, yeah, what? I know. I know. I also, I was like, what if you were just like, fuck this, I'm going to Cabo, like, and yeah, just like, like cleaned out your office, and that was it. Like, I don't. A couple of people in the Trump campaign like were on vacation at some point. So one time, like Michael Flynn was on vacation for like two weeks, and they couldn't get his messages or something. People just honestly taking the time off anyway. Sessions, you could have just been like, yeah, I'm not coming into work today or ever, ever again. again. Was- yeah, I, I was confused by that. Um, but yeah, Trump was really pissed that Sessions wasn't doing more to stop the Russian investigation. He asked him to shut it down. He asked Comey to shut down the investigation of Flynn because he knew that that was going to lead into more shit. Um, he asked McGahn to do some shit a bunch of times and McGahn oh, was yeah. just like, I'm not, no, I, I'm, I'll, I'll McGahn, tell him I did it and I won't fucking do it. Oh, dude, like McGahn passed the buck and so did Lewandowski and they both like lied to Trump and were like, yeah, we'll definitely tell Sessions to shut down the Russian investigation. Yeah, we'll definitely tell him to fire Mueller or shifty eyes. And then neither of them ever did it. And Trump just, like, forgot about it. And they got so lucky. So they, they might be the heroes in this story, in a way, for Trump. <laughs> because they're just not listening to his bullshit. Yeah, it seemed like... Because McGahn and... Uh, what was it McGahn and... Was it McGahn and McFarland? Or was it McGahn and someone else, like... Uh, conferred with their own private counsel and basically their own private counsel or the white house counsel was like yeah don't don't fucking do that, don't fucking do that. <laughs> right, uh, don't maybe fucking, a bad idea just do you that. know 
tell him you did it, and then he'll forget in a week when he's mad and about it. And that is exactly else. what happened. They got away with it for so long. Just because... get him to keep shitting on Jeff about it. Jeff keeps taking it. Don't worry. <laughs> but seriously, like, that's how they got away with it, because Trump just kept forgetting about it, because he had too many things going on. Um, a lot of these people can't see more than, like, six inches in front of their own dick before they, like, there's n- almost no long-term planning on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really terrible. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. There's... It's real bad. I think it's very clear. I think uh, Mueller makes a great case that Trump did obstruct justice, and he makes a pretty good case for instances where he might have obstructed justice. So, I mean, and, and at the end, the ba- the end of the report is basically Mueller being like, LOL, Trump's counsel made some dumb claims, and here's why all of them are wrong, and he definitely broke laws and should be held accountable. Sorry, not sorry. Basically, at the yeah, end, again, Trump- he, he kind of goes basically like he's not not guilty since I can't say guilty since I'm not a prosecutor. Right. So maybe Congress should handle this after they read this report, which is what I think his testimony to Congress is going to basically be, which be, is supposed to yeah. happen at some yeah. point soon. Um, and like, because because what happened is Trump's legal counsel sent. Mueller a bunch of documents that were like, oh, you can't do this for this and this reason. And Mueller refuted all of them in the report. And he was like, yes, I can for this and this and this. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. And I thought that was great. So I imagine that testimony in a, in a few days, supposedly, will recontextualize maybe a lot of stuff or just confirm what we're saying here. Right. To, to basically let on that, like, Mueller was based. He wanted to lay out all the facts, hand it over to Congress and say, now you guys have the facts. Do as you will. Yeah, except Congress is full of idiots. So we don't like there's still a Republican majority in the Senate, right? Yep. <sighs> yeah. Um also there are appendices. Appendix C lays out all of Trump's written answers because he refused to give a live interview to the special counsel's office. Um and Mueller, this is one of the parts where Mueller was like, you know, I could have subpoenaed Trump and forced him to, to come to a live interview, but it would have taken years. Like, and I, I already had all that. the evidence anyway. Yep. He was like, I had enough evidence from other people. Didn't want to drag this out for too long. So fuck it. Um, so he took the written answers, but he very clearly states that Trump's written answers were insufficient. And the reason was that Trump stated over like 30 or more times that he did not recall or remember things. Also, he would, like, group his answers, like, there was, like, multiple questions with, like, sub-questions and shit like that, and he would basically, like, group them all into, like, one thing and be like, I don't recall what happened there. Yeah, and and the special counsel was like, you know, these answers are insufficient because you constantly said you didn't remember, but also because special counsel was unable to follow up and ask questions to clarify, and largely because of what you just pointed out. Yeah, he would just answer, like, this whole section with, like, four subsections in, like, three sentences. Um, the questions do read like a fucking high school test, though. <laughs> like like, a, like an English report on like what happens in a book. Like, yeah, what, what was this character thinking when this happened? Describe yep. the situation. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. Um, and also in Donald Trump's answers, he can't stop self-aggrandizing. <gasps> oh my god! Even he, when like he cannot stop jerking uh, himself off uh, ever. Dude, actually, ever. I, need to, I should I should really find any time he oh it's like mentioned about like. During the primaries or something like that, he mentions like every single state he won on that exact day that's in question. Every single time a question related to that will come up, he's like, "Well, I had just won the primaries in California, New Mexico, New Jersey on that day." And like every single time it comes up, he can't help but list every single state that he won, and that's why I'm so busy and I can't recall because I was 
jerking myself off over then that i guess so yeah yeah and and there's like another section where muller asks him about inter- like about asked him about certain people and he goes oh yeah my interaction with those dudes was when they were like praising me and giving me presents and like sending me myself portraits and like they just all really like me a whole lot so there's not really a problem there just because they like me a whole lot you're just jealous i have friends rob all yeah. you do is play D&D with your nerd friends all the time and get in arguments with them anyway. Yeah, Bobby, just admit it. It's a popularity <laughs> contest. Um, so, yeah, it was just like... Oh, oh, here's Appendix C. Okay. I gotta find these answers because I think this is how, definitely funny. how this is how we wrap up this show, honestly, because it's how that he wraps up the report, too. It's just like, hey, look at all this idiot's answers. My Trump organization desk calendar also reflects that I was outside Trump Tower during portions of these days. On June 7, 2016, calendar indicates I was scheduled to leave Trump Tower in the early evening for Westchester, where I gave remarks after winning the California, New Jersey, New Mexico, Montana, and South Dakota Republican primaries held that day. Um, yep, he'll bring that that day especially in all the oh, primaries he won. Um, widely available media reports, including television footage, also shed light on my activities during these days. For example, I'm aware that my June 7th, 2016 victory remarks at the Trump National Golf Club in Briarcliff Manor, New York, were recorded and published by the media. I remember winning those primaries and generally recall delivering remarks that evening. (laughs) Of course I remember my victories. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh. I have no independent recollection of any communications I had with the Agalorov family or anyone I understood to be a representative of the Agalorov family after June 3rd, 2016 and before the end of the campaign. While preparing to respond to these questions, I have become aware of written communications with the Agalarovs during the campaign that were sent, received, and largely authored by my staff, in which I understand have already been produced to you. In general, the documents include congratulatory letters on my campaign victories, emails about a painting Iman and Aras Agalarov arranged to have delivered to Trump Tower as a birthday present, and emails regarding delivery of a book written by Aras Agalarov. The documents reflect that the deliveries were screened by the Secret Service. He really can't stop ever, like yeah. just trying to pump his own shit. Like it, 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 it's definitely like a psychosis at this point. Well, I yeah, I mean, and like some of the issues he had with staff, like poor KT McFarland when he was like, "Yo, write this memo saying saying I didn't do that." She was like, "Uh, no." <laughs> and same with McGann. He was like, "McGann, write a memo saying I didn't try to fire Robert Mueller." And McGann was like, "But you did." And and Trump was like, "No, I didn't. I didn't use the word fire." And McGann was like dude no <laughs> yeah that's exactly <laughs> like, like, i'm sure that's exactly what McCann said <laughs> basically how it went down um yeah so um keep in mind there were uh 14 cases that were referred to other offices by the Mueller um investigation by the special counsel's office so like anything that was like a little too outside of their jurisdiction they sent elsewhere and that includes the gates manafort flynn stuff um and then there are a bunch of other ones that are just totally redacted we know at least one of them is Roger Stone. Not sure about the rest of them. Who knows what it could be? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, wow, did we really, we really got there. Yep, we, we did all of it. This has been a lengthy episode, but honestly, Woo. it kind of deserves it. Woo! Actually, this has been a pretty standard length episode. Um, yeah, I uh, also keep in mind that, like, there there are always a bunch of lawsuits going on against Trump at, like, all times, constantly, just forever um there's a bunch like there's a bunch of other investigations into trump like 
about his presidential campaign and his existence as president, but then there's a bunch of other shit about him as a private citizen. So, yeah, the wheels keep turning. Um, I'm oh. sure we'll we'll see what happens if, hopefully, and when he's removed from office, whether by <laughs> voter or other mechanism. Dude, dude, we haven't created any new laws. The Russians are just going to help him get elected again in 2020. Like, who are you kidding? Probably, but who are you suppose, listen, supposedly after even that happens, he's not allowed to do another one, right? So, well, well, we'll see. Yeah, you know, who knows, right? So, we'll like, we'll like pull up the, the original constitution and like it's definitely been changed, but we're like, huh. Didn't notice that. Says the president can serve forever. Interesting. And there's like a Russian guy sneaking out of the. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Oh, actually, before before we totally end, um, we finally got answers to our questions uh, when we read the art of the deal. Remember, we were like, "Hey, I wonder if these deals ended up being really successful." The answer nah, is no. 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 <laughs> the answer nope. is no. Oh boy, yeah, we got those what what like ten years of Trump's tax returns, and he lost over a billion dollars, and they were they were like the years immediately after the book, I I think, right? Because I think yeah, it was book, like late eighties, early, early mid to nineties kind of thing. Yeah. So um, so yeah, hey, the art of the deal. Turns out he's just good at deals, but not actually. Uh, I, I guess in that <laughs> book, you you can learn how to lose like millions of dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I loved it. It's like he lost over a billion dollars in a period of 10 years and only paid taxes for eight of those 10 years. And um, his his spin on it has been, that's what a successful businessman does. Yeah, he loses I, billions I of dollars. I fucking fail into the ground as hard as possible. And that is to my, to my advantage, actually. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, and he was basically like, yeah, you know, you lose as much money as possible so you don't have to pay taxes. And people were like. Are you admitting? Are you admitting to, to tax fraud on Twitter? I think you are. <laughs> um, also, the Mueller report was full of like Twitter references and stuff, which was also amusing to read because a lot of the obstruction of justice stuff had to deal with him tweeting oh, and like dangling like pardons. Chronological in front of people. order laying out of all the tweets. So if like you missed all that shit, here's a beautiful way to relive it all. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, laid out very yeah. like episodically by the table of content. It really reads like you could just write all the episodes of the show off of this thing. Oh God. I hope that like when we're old, this is like the new HBO drama, like about this whole thing. This would make such great TV. It's yeah, really still, too bad that it's reality. It's really too bad. I'm still holding bad. on for the Papa and Page episodes Ooh, or series. Papa and Page. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the answer is um, those deals did not work. Nope. Ta-da. Um, yeah. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us through this thing. I'm sure this. Uh, hopefully, we made learning about the Mueller report fun for you. Um, it's definitely something that does not have a lot of fun um, is it a terrible book though oh. did we step outside our boundary a little bit here no it's honestly i thought it was going to be like wicked boring and hard to read but i was like engrossed in it and i really liked it and i liked the way it was written because i'm a huge academic nerd so like big fan of bobby Mull. big fan big fan Oh, Bobby Three Sticks up here, right? <laughs> this kind of things that Paris likes to read. I I liked how, honestly, it was written out very succinctly and cleanly. If you yeah. need to slog through all the... It's lengthy, but only because so much shit had to be uh, got to or, or like, analyzed Yeah, and honestly, that. like, a lot of the length is, like, appendices. And there is a fair amount of shit that's blacked out. So, like, it was 448 pages, but I think... I mean, really, it was probably more like 300 and... 75 some, maybe yeah three three um, something some, like that yeah so uh anyway yeah hopefully we made this 
uh, difficult document, somewhat enjoyable for all of you to learn a little bit about. Um, of course, the Mueller report is publicly available. Um, I would recommend, though, that if you if you do download it, try to convert it into a searchable file because um, most PD- like you can't if you just get the regular PDF, you can't search uh, keywords. So um, and, and I recommend that because obviously you probably don't want to sit here and read the whole thing like we did. So if you want to like search around and read salient points, um, just convert it so you can search the text. Uh, also, as a minor note, uh, BuzzFeed News actually forced a new uh, version of the report to be issued. That is not the version we read. So uh, basically what happened is they uh, they pushed back against the initial report because all the redactions were so vague. And so in the newer version, the redactions are more specific. So um, I think some of our questions about what the certain redactions are could be um, teased out a bit more easily in that that newer version of the report. So I guess uh, if you want to download it, get the newer one. Yep. All right. Well, since we don't have the end of the show wrap up to do over here, since we did it at the top. Yeah, it was I'm... weird. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like changing it up a little bit. So um, hopefully, right. that was, hopefully that was fun. And uh, we'll uh, uh, do we have any other announcements? No, we're just trucking along with some episode releases. I am getting ready to do a tour that I am just binding together with sticks and twine. <laughs> oh, Chris, are you going to tell the people? About, about your tour. I guess, yeah, let's, let's let's end it. Like, so, essentially, it's about two weeks out from the start of my, like, short five-date uh, tour. Nothing big. Just do a couple of states outside. Real easy. It's like, and New, England, been, it's like New England or New York, right? And one Philadelphia stop oh, right Philly. there. yeah. And so, like, I've booked pretty much everything just haphazardly. I'm having a hell of a time getting everything together. And this morning, before, right before, like, the podcast is about to start, my drummer's like, I fucked up my back. I can't do the tour. So I, in less than we have less than two weeks. We, he is paying for a fill-in guy who I think can pull it off, but it's simpler death metal than the kind that he plays usually. And he actually just texted me in the middle of this recording saying he has a song down already. So like, hopefully he kicks enough ass to like make this happen. If not, I don't know. Catch me in New York on in Brooklyn on May twenty fourth. Oh, actually, yeah. And let's let's read off your tour dates. Let's tell people where you're gonna be so you'd stalk he, Chris in real here's life. Here's where you can see me like possibly either fuck up massively playing my music or like you know have some kind of entertainment for your own bad live show club podcast <laughs> or something. I, I I think we should be okay, but still, you can catch me at. The Shaskeen in Manchester on May 23rd, Manchester, Thursday. Manchester, New Hampshire. Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, you can catch me at Lucky 13 Saloon in Brooklyn, New York, the day after that, Friday, May 24th. I'll be at the Rusty Nail in Ardmore, <laughs> Pennsylvania uh, on Saturday, the 25th after that. And then I go back to Long Island or Holbrook, New York at Rams Pub. Uh, the Sunday after that, and then Monday, uh, there was supposed to be a Memorial Day show at Sammy's Patio in Revere, but that's the one day that this fill-in guy can't do. So uh, maybe that show will happen. Maybe it won't. We'll see. What if What if instead of playing a Graveborn set with a drummer, you just did like a yearn set with like some electronics? I don't. I don't know if I could play the set. Like um, I don't know if I have the equipment to pull it off. Or what if you just did like acoustic Graveborn? Like just get some bongo drums, you know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen for that show. I'm I'm trying to think out yeah, what's the sucks. best way to salvage, but we'll see. Oh, well, let's all wish Chris some good luck. Good luck, Chris. I I was having I was it was, it was an anxiety attack filled day essentially. <laughs> Even though technically I'm probably covered, and if anyone can pull this off, it's this guy. 
Um, I'm, I still had a good cry earlier today. Yeah, about it, yeah. So. I mean, I woke up sick, but that's way worse. Like, I'm not even like I'm kind of sick, but I had a huge bowl of pho right before we started recording, and it like restored my, my at health. least like, maybe it's still game. happening. Like, if it just didn't happen, I would have been like out a thousand plus dollars just Ooh. like Ooh. for nothing. So now I'm just at least still paying a thousand dollars for something to happen. Yeah, there you go. Something's still happening. I'm trying to look at it as like, hey, I'm doing this vacation with my buddies and maybe we'll play some shitty music at night. Maybe it'll be good. Who knows? It'll be fine. I, I have faith. I mean, it sucks that you can't play that last homecoming show, but like whatever. You can play the, the ones that are in other states, which arguably is more important because you want to have good relationships with these bookers that you've never met yet in these venues. So. I don't even know if I'm going to be doing live shows after this fiasco to be oh honest boy. with you we'll see at most at, i'm definitely on board for like filling in for people's bands once in a while that i am fine with but i i have to really rethink after you know everything comes out how this is going to shake out oh yeah that sounds like some heavy stuff chris i'm sorry good luck with uh good luck with keeping graveborn uh born graveborn right? will still be around it's just a matter of how what kind of a project it'll be yeah what incarnation yeah all right, well, that's why, you know, I was having kind of a rough day, and then I had to do this thing, so that's how I was fed up in general, but maybe uh, this cleared the air a little bit here. Yeah, uh, so thanks for listening, and we will see you in two weeks, as per usual. All right, bye, Paris. Bye, Paris.